My name is Jordan Ross, and thanks for listening to What's Your Limp? I'm an actor and the host of this podcast, but I also happen to have cerebral palsy and scoliosis, resulting in a limp. That limp led to vicious bullying in high school, limited opportunities as an actor, a number of insecurities, and severe depression. However, over time I slowly learned to open up about my feelings, which showed me that I'm not alone, because the more I opened up, the more others opened up to me. I quickly learned that everyone has a limp, whether it's physical or internal. I stopped seeing my limp as a weakness and began to see it as an asset. And that's the goal of this podcast, is to help others do the same. So, as you listen to my conversations with some of your favorite actors, athletes, singers, and public figures, listen closely. Because you might just find out that some of them struggle with the exact same limp as you. So let's all learn to love our limps together. What is up, my fellow limpers? This is your host, Jordan Ross, and thank you for listening to another episode of the What's Your Limp podcast. Now, today I'm going to try to keep this intro as short as possible because this is easily one of the longest episodes I've ever done. Uh, it is with one of my chosen castmates, Noah James, who you might know as Andrew. Noah has also appeared on the iCarly reboot, Shameless, and more. Uh, he's a super talented actor. He's one of the funniest people I know, and he's one of my dearest friends. So I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation. We talk about a lot of different things, such as bullying, how we got into acting in the first place, the dynamics that we experienced growing up in, in divorced uh, families and uh, all the way up to what it's been like being part of the chosen, being exposed to all sorts of uh, subcultures and and groups of people that we previously were were more ignorant to. So uh, I really think everyone will be able to get something from this episode. Um, and uh, just remember to go into all of it with an open mind and, and an open heart and uh, enjoy. But before we get into that, uh, I do want to remind everyone that I have a live podcast show coming up on July 31st, uh, which is a Sunday at 4 p.m. in Arlington, Texas at Arlington Music Hall with my other chosen castmates, Elizabeth Tabish and Paris Patel, as well as uh, potentially a few other surprise guests. So uh, if you want to go there and see us do a podcast in person and maybe even answer some of your questions, then go to arlingtonmusichall.net and you can get your tickets there. Also, exciting news, we have some new sponsors. And the first one up is Inclusion Coffee in Arlington, Texas. Now, if you're someone who is having to work from home and you want a change of scenery, Inclusion is the perfect place to get work done while treating yourself to a delicious coffee or pastry. It has such a cool atmosphere. It has private rooms that you can reserve. It has a whole upper level. It's just a really awesome place. I love it. I've been there several times. Uh, the owner is a really awesome guy who also happens to be a fan of The Chosen. Uh, so if you're ever in downtown Arlington, just look up Inclusion Coffee and go check them out because they are delicious. The service is great and the atmosphere is really hard to beat. So anyway, without further ado, I'm jumping into this episode and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Noah James. What's up, dude? Yo! How's it going? Good to see you, man. Maybe I get so not... used to like seeing everyone every day. So when we just go like a few weeks, it feels like an eternity. <laughs> I want to talk about like, the chosen obviously and all of that but before 
I always start from like childhood. Like what was home life like for you? What was like your, you know, like school? Did you make good grades? What were your parents like parenting styles? Were they like, you know, more, uh, what's the word permissive or disciplinary? Like what was that whole dynamic like? Super interesting. Like, cause well, so my parents are divorced. They got divorced when I was like three years old. So same dude. That's, nice. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Look I was us. three as well. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't really ever know them together. And so I think in some ways that makes it a lot easier, or at least it did in my experience. Sure. Like, I, I, when people talk about their parents, getting divorced being a, a super sort of traumatic thing for them. I never experienced that. I was yeah. just like, they were always divorced essentially. Um, but I think that um, in terms of parenting styles, like it's, it's pretty interesting. I once like middle school hit my mom, I remember having a conversation with me saying, I'm not going to like, Make sure you're doing your homework because that's also once you move into middle school, that starts to be like you start getting homework, grades start yeah. mattering. She was like, I won't check on you about your homework. Have you done it yet? When are you doing it? Are you studying for your tests? What are your grades like leading up? And then she was like, once your report card comes at the sort of midpoint of the year, like if you're struggle, if, if something's not going well, then I'm going to have to step in and like make sure you're doing your homework and all this stuff. But if you can manage it, like if you're, I want you to figure out how to manage your yourself in terms of schooling. Yeah. And if you're managing it, you're on like a, the leash is long. You can figure out how that works for you. I don't want to tell you like you can't go play with friends because you haven't done your homework yet. So yeah. I took that as like, that is a great deal. <laughs> like, yeah, I will completely manage my own sort of um, structuring how I interact with school. If it means like I get to do whatever I want, I just have to be a good student still. The only thing was I totally took that. I'm very I was very good at school. I never struggled with class. I was a very good <laughs> test taker. Yeah. Like I. But I also knew how to game the system like way more than was, you know, for my own good. Yeah. So the problem with that is I never developed like the discipline that maybe other students had to develop where it's like, get home, do your homework, study for the test. Like I didn't study for tests ever. I never studied for a test. Yeah. But I would just figure out how to like read in between the lines or I paid attention to class, never took notes rarely even did my own homework and so it would become a system where like i knew how to game it and i knew that if i aced tests by paying attention in class i could just not do my homework and get like a b plus in the class yeah and so i was like a b plus student throughout all of middle school and high school and it was great because it sort of allowed me – I never was stressed about school, like literally ever. And a lot of kids would be stressed about that and I just like breezed, yeah. <laughs> breezed through. But later on in life, I really had to figure out how to discipline myself in terms of doing things that I don't like to do. It's still like my main, I would say, 
uh, challenge in life when it comes to being productive is like, if it's something I don't want to do, it's very, very difficult for me (laughs) to find my way in. Like, I'm like, dude, I'm just not going to do it. But I don't have the stress that came along with like someone looking over me in an overbearing way. And so that like, I really have my, my mom to thank for. And I only have myself to blame for not developing the sort of adulting skills. Like I was very, once I, you know, I got into high school and people were like, you know, you're going to have to like wise up and become super serious about school or like you're going to be left behind. That never happened to me. I was like, nope. And then once I got to college, they're like, you're really going to have to figure it out. And I was like, no, never had to. (laughs) But then as I became an adult and acting became my career, not just something I did in class. It was really like, you do have to figure out how to, you know, hold down a survival job that you hate and, you know, figure out how to manage your schedule, just anything that wasn't like being a a man child. Yeah. Um, I really had to figure that out. But but this is a long-winded way of saying my parents both, all my parents, my stepdad, you know, as well, were very supportive of me, not overbearing in the slightest. Like I could really do whatever I want and it allowed me to sort of set up my life the way that I wanted to do it. But I wasn't very good at, you know, some of the, I don't know, like the first time I did my taxes, I was like, I'm in for a rough surprise. Dude. Like it was those kind of things that I never set up for myself. Yeah. I still, my mom has a lady that does all of her taxes and my grandpa's mm-hmm. taxes. And whenever it came time for like me as an adult <laughs> to do it, I was like, I don't know what to do. Cause I never learned anything about taxes. Yeah. So my mom was like, okay, just get the stuff together and take it up to Patty and she'll handle it for you. I'm like, okay. So that's still to this day. I just get all the stuff in the mail and put it in a like a manila folder and I just take yeah, it. Yeah, called Thank like, God for Patty. She's yeah. Like, Thanks, Patty. Yeah. yeah. And every now and then she'll call and be like, Hey, how many days were you in uh Utah or how many days were you in Montana? Okay, cool. And then that's it. So like <laughs> it's super easy. Um, but I relate to all of that so much because my mom and dad divorced. I think I was three as well. I may have been four, but it was it was around that same age, and it was always I'm so glad they got a divorce because I love them both, but um, they're very different and they are just, my childhood would have been totally different than it was. And I'd probably be a totally different person if they didn't get a divorce um, because I, I feel like they clash so much in their parenting styles. Now they get along mm. great because they're, you know, my mom remarried, my dad remarried a, a couple times. Um, they, they, we go on vacations, like where he'll have all of us, including my mom and stepdad go on trips Whoa. and stuff like that. Um, so it's cool. But it, as far as them being a couple, it just was not uh-huh. good. Um, and they, uh, it, my mom was very similar in that, like, oh, before I get to that one thing though, you mentioning always knowing them as being divorced. That's how I was too. And I remember one day I was in ICU. I'm going to tell another depressing story um, on my deathbed as a child. Um, No, I'm sorry. I'm in in ICU as like a a nine-year-old kid. And Uh. it it was terrifying because uh, like it was with asthma. They were thinking of like having to intubate me and put put me in a coma and all this stuff. 
Um, and while I was there, I was really scared because the kid, there was a curtain separating my bed from another bed. And the other kid that was in the room with me was also there for asthma for the, it was, he was in like a very similar situation. Um, and we both had pneumonia. We were really bad off and he didn't make it. And he was about my age. And I remember it's one of the most traumatic memories I have, but I remember his parents, um, and their reaction to that and just being horrified that like, Oh, that's I'm next. It's going to happen to me now. And I remember laying there and my mom telling me like, Jordan, you, you're going to get worse. You have to sleep. Cause I didn't want to sleep. I was afraid if I went to sleep, I wouldn't wake up. And she was like, you have to sleep or your body's not going to heal. Let your body like try to heal itself. And, um, I, I kept fighting it and fighting it. And then one day the doctor came in and like took my parents out of the room uh, and was explaining like, we're going to have to put him in a coma if he doesn't uh, improve in the next day. And uh, so as they were, I could see them through the little window of the room and my mom and dad hugged each other. And I was like, wow. that's yeah. it. That's it. I'm a goner. Like my mom and dad are hugging each <laughs> yeah. other. And that was the, one of the scariest things. And that I was like, okay, fine. I'll go to sleep because that's my last ditch effort because I know it's bad if my parents are being affectionate. Um, and, uh, but it was so bizarre, like seeing them. Yeah. 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 Be affectionate in that way. But, um, anyway, uh, moving on from the depressing stuff. No, so, no, it's, it's, that's a, a fascinating moment in a, in a kid's a life, in your life. Yeah. yeah. That you see this thing that is representational of like, if it's like that, yeah. I must change. Even at nine years old, it's funny what. Yeah, what. yeah, exactly. Um, but as far as school, like, so my mom was the exact same way where I never once was asked, unless like she loved helping with like, if there's a project in elementary school, like building uh, the solar system or something out uh-huh. of the little styrofoam balls, she loved helping with that stuff. Um, cause she's very like arts and craftsy and. Me too. I was terrible um, at that. So yeah. I, I actually could not create something without help i had the best ones because my mom would go all out and (laughs) um so she would help with that stuff but as far as like writing reports or whatever she never asked um and in high school i did even in college i got horrible grades but it was because i i just i like you i i kind of knew what i could do and still pass and and Uh get by so like in in college even like the, there were classes where i look at the schedule and say okay i can miss this number of classes for yeah. english or whatever and then i'll still get you know a d plus and i'm good so <laughs> i would just miss like six classes or something and go hang out and eat at denny's with my friends down like in the the parking lot um and uh so yeah i would do stuff like that but then in high school um it was one of those things where like my and I want to talk about this too, but like I only went to actual high school for one year, but then getting picked on and stuff. I homeschooled after that because I was like, school isn't for me. I just want to, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, it it was just for, before that I went to private schools where I knew everyone since I was a kid, Mm. you know, I got great grades all throughout like elementary and middle school. I've always, it's always been really easy to retain information, information and stuff. Um, but then once I got into high school, and it shifted to like trying to impress people and uh, fit in. That became my priority where I didn't even try with school um, or like with the schoolwork. And uh, then when the bullying got really bad, eventually I told my mom, like, I just want to start going out to LA more and trying to make this happen. So can I homeschool? And she said, yeah. 
And she found this place called North Atlantic Regional High School, which in hindsight, it seems kind of like a scam. Um, <laughs> but it's like this, this homeschool program where they send you the books and then you do the homework and then just send it back into them and you get a high school diploma. Um, but I never like... I did English. I loved English. I loved history uh-huh. and like me social too. studies. Yeah, those were too. all the, the ones I really liked. So for those, I did the work and I just did it. Like I'd sit, you know, in my room for two weeks doing nothing but English and I'd finish like a grade like that. I just yeah. go do it all. Um, so I graduated at 16 and, uh, but for like science for like chemistry or algebra, my mom knew that I was committed to acting. That's what I was going to do. So I didn't need to really know, you know, mm-hmm. calculus or whatever. So she would uh, give me the answer books for those <laughs> and just say, uh, you know, like, just use these to go through all of that. So I finished literally an entire high school's worth of math and science in like a week uh, because I just used the answer book. And she said, uh, don't but get what level... Like, yes. Did yeah. you do? Don't get them you all right. 100%. No, I got like a yeah. B. Um, so I love that you guys are like strategized together. <laughs> yeah. This one will do 82%. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was, that was fun. But then um, I wanted to ask you, so about when it comes to like bullying, I know that you had some, like that you got bullied at times too, but both of our reactions to it was very different. Um, you're, you were more of like a fighter. And then I was like, I would curl up in a ball and wait for someone to break it up. So it was uh, different reactions. But I wanted to talk about like, what was your experience being bullied in school and like, go into like, how you responded to it? Totally. Yeah, it's funny that that you say that. So when I was a kid, we moved when I was going in the fourth grade. And that was seemed like a very sort of i don't know um it just seemed like a total shift in my life because i went to a new elementary school where i didn't know anyone and before then everyone's just kind of little like you're not really you know I, I don't know i didn't experience much i didn't even sort of wasn't aware of like different yeah. friend groups or anything. It was like, yeah. you're just in a class. You're like there comparing was comparing yourself to anyone. Yes. Just zero of, of that. You. Yeah. And then I, there was a shift when I got into fourth grade and it was a total new school. And I was always like one of the shortest kids in class like that. And so I just had this like massive Napoleon complex, like as a kid. And I had this horrible temper and I was never, um, afraid of like lashing out sounds bad, but it, it it felt like I had to defend myself like at a hundred percent because like I was small for my age. And so it was like a hair trigger of like, if someone, you know, pushed me or something like, Oh, like, you know, screw the, the, the new kid. I would like way, <laughs> way over correct and I'd be like, I will die if it means that I can take you down with me. You fuck. <laughs> you know, so not to, but That's I would fun. even like just to, I, I curse to represent yeah. that when I was in fourth grade, even like I would do that. Like kids would be like, you piece of crap. I'd be like, oh, yeah you piece of shit. <laughs> like I would just always have to one up 
a child's ability to sort of like, uh, you know, in that way, lash out at other kids. Yeah. And so if someone would be like, oh, why doesn't Noah play shortstop? <laughs> Which is like a very, you know, calm way of bullying someone. Yeah. But I took that and it would be like, just ignite a fire in me where I was like, I must fight you now. Like I yeah. just wasn't, I couldn't, I took it so seriously. And that it sort of carved out a spot for myself where they were like, oh, like this kid's insane. And so we shouldn't bully him because he will like fight back. And so I always, I never took it, you know, laying down. I always had to, to like put myself up, especially if there was like a group, like if it was like a group of four people who like wouldn't let me play basketball with them or something. Right. I was like, I will force all four bigger, you know, to make me. So I don't know. I just, I always had this thing that this sort of temper that I had to learn, like in high school and college, like, whoa, like you need to like take your foot off the gas. That paired with this sort of, uh, um, laissez-faire ability yeah. in school to be like I don't really care about school I know that I can get good grades and and what ended up happening is in middle school I had like a almost superhuman ability to stand up for myself and not understand the consequences of my actions so I'll put that in context there was a kid that I hesitate to name and he was um he definitely came from a rough background, like yeah. way, way rougher than I. I had a very, you know, like lovely upbringing. And it was super clear that he was, he would like get in the fights and he would lash out because he was dealing with like a horrible home life. Yeah. Like it's just like, it, it's clear, like especially in hindsight, but he would, you know, I remember he threw one of my friends to the ground who had glasses, threw one of my friends to the ground at recess. And he goes to like stomp on his glasses. And I like grabbed him by his pants. And he was like very sort of like, you know, for lack of a better term, like, you know, like the gangster, you know, but yeah. he was just like a, they were you know, spitting. Yeah. But it was also like, who is this kid? Like, we're all oh, like yeah. in Arizona. It was like, just, you know, little, we're all like little white boys and the, you yeah. know, and he's like, Hey, I'm like a, trying to be i don't know how to describe that but he was like i'm 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 cool and so, so i grabbed his pants and i threw him and his pants fell down because he's trying to be like you know all cool. yeah his pants fell down at his ankles and i was like yeah you get that like now everyone's laughing at you because and he gets up in my face he's like he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill you know something like that I was like, let's go, man. Come on. Like, let's do it. And he's way bigger than me, you know, but kind of scrawny, you know, but way bigger. And he's like, I'm going to, he's like, well, get ready. I know which bus you take home. I'm going to be waiting at the bus and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And I was like, good luck, dude. Yeah, I'll see you. Whatever. And had no, you know, he see, I'm wait, he's waiting at the bus for me. Yeah. I show up and I'm like, what's up, dude? He's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. I was like, let's go. Cool. Yeah. Go ahead. Try it. Like I had no fear of this person because I just had no, I felt like I didn't have stress in that way. I just was like, go, go ahead. And he didn't, he stepped aside 
let me on the bus. The next day, him and four friends jumped a dude in the middle of a basketball game, threw him on the ground, broke his collarbone, kicked his face in, literally like the, sent the dude to the hospital immediately. And the whole school like st- st- came to a stop and we all watched during recess as this, they just ganged up on this kid and they really like beat, beat him like horribly. And it had this realization where I was like, that was going to be me. Like, I can't believe that I just so casually was standing up to this kid who I thought wouldn't do it. I wasn't worried about it, whatever. And, and it, it instilled a little bit of fear in me where I go like, Oh, like you need to chill about who you're talking (laughs) shit to or who you're you know, and, and, um, he got expelled, he left the school and then high school started, you know, two years later and he was in high school with me and I'm like, Oh no, (laughs) like he remembers and he's going to, and we never spoke. I remember walking home, we walked home the same way and he would be behind me and I'd be like, he's going to show up and like throw me on the ground in front of cars or something. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. It just was like, I, 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 understood at that moment that you're there are consequences to your words and me mouthing off and lashing out maybe in those ways like you can't fight against five people who hit you from behind when you don't even know they're there and then they just send you to the hospital and it really really freaked me out and i think that my sort of relationship to bullying at that moment i always would stand up to friends but there was a i wouldn't again meet their aggressive energy with more aggression it became quite clear to me i did not want to fight like i would just stand up and then always try to de-escalate instead of you know being uh i don't know uh, uh, so agitated in myself that if someone approached me with aggressive energy i would like go crazy and be (laughs) now i'm like oh that's not cool like they'll yeah it's like uh <clears throat> ben Stiller and Mystery Men, Mr. Furious. 100%. Dude, I, I so relate to that. Like that is, I have a lot of that energy in me. And part of my journey growing up has been like, how do I integrate that in a healthy way? And, you know, keep it, keep the sh- sort of shadow self at, at bay, because yeah. I definitely have a temper that can come out and and I try to use it for good instead of for like, for instance, I'll tell a story if that's okay. But yeah, I was in, um, I was in New York. I went to school in New York and I was on the subway. It was like 9am. I'm on the way to class. I'm barely awake. I'd slept for like six hours, you know, something like that. Not just every day, six hours a day. I'm on my way. I've got headphones in and I see, um, there's this like, this is important for the story to discuss the 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 uh, races of the people involved. There is a African American woman um, uh, taking care of a little white boy and a a white man in a business suit. I see him. I've got my iPod in. That's like what year it is, right? And yeah. he leans over and he says something, and I can tell. And everyone recoils, including the woman, the African American woman. She protects the little boy's ears so i realized like whoa this dude in the business just said something horrible yeah i lower the the music and i hear him say it again and again i'm sorry this is 
I will be swearing oh. during this. He says, I bet you fucking molest that kid. He says to the woman. And it's clearly like a racist, yeah. you know, asshole in a business. He's not like, a, he's in a business suit. He's like going to Wall Street, right? Yeah. Some crazy. And he says, I bet you fucking molest that kid. And she starts crying immediately. And the little boy is like freaked out. I have no idea what's going on. And the whole train car is like, has recoil, but no one's doing anything. And it was like out of a movie. I spoke without meaning to speak. And it just like came out of me. I was like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like very loud. And then the train stops and they all turn at me. And the dude in the business suit looks at me like, really? Then I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I guess I'm, uh, <laughs> I guess I'm committed now. But I, I stand up and I get in his face and I get in between him and her because he's sort of closer. So I get in between her and I hold on to the, you know, subway rail and just stare at him. And I like get up and we're staring like right like this. And I'm like boiling on the inside because I'm like, okay, like I guess I've, you know, and this train car is silent and we get to a stop silent. The people get off, people who get on, look around like, whoa, this is a weird like energy in this and everyone's silent, which is unusual at like rush hour in New York. Yeah. And we just stare at each other for like four stops and I'm looking at him like, if you do anything else, I will fucking kill you. Like, I don't know. It's just like that energy that comes out, like just like yeah. childhood. And I was like, you will not pick on this person because you're racist. And if you do, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I have committed myself that like we're going to fight. And we stared at each other for like probably four or five stops. We both end up getting off at the same uh, at Union Square, which is a huge station, so it makes sense. And it was just silent the, the whole way. And he stopped. We get off. We never spoke. No one spoke in the train car. And I may have looked to, you know, the woman to just, I don't know, like give her a little nod or something. But we just yeah. like parted ways. And I was so like fired up that morning. And I was like, cool. I'm glad that didn't end in some sort of horrible, you know, because obviously he's crazy. But I was like, I am, I want to always be a person in those situations who will be like, I will not let you treat another human being like that. Yeah. I'm going to stand up and do something about it. And I feel like that has carried through childhood. I don't know, because of the way <clears throat> even just people get bullied, friends getting bullied, I get bullied. I just know how horrible it is. Yeah. And I just like have that in me that I, I must uh, even at my own detriment, sometimes be like, I guess we're entering into this situation, but I can't let it slide. Yeah. I, I mean, I love, I think that's a, a great quality. And it's interesting too, because you, you do have this like aura of just like being like chill and laid back and not really letting much bother you. But there are moments, particularly when you're acting, like if you're preparing for a heavy scene, um, since like there, there, I remember last season, there were a couple scenes like that this season, there's, there's been some and, uh, where I can see you just kind of off to the side, like you'll be joking around and we're getting close to rolling and you just kind of sit there and like, I just see you looking off and it's like, that's not someone I would want to mess with because just <laughs> the expression on your face. And it's, uh, I can see that it's still in there the the rage but it's it's channeled a little better than it maybe was back then um yeah yeah it's, it's 
you know, I'm sure it does come in handy, not only for acting, but like you said, for those real life instances where, you know, it, it's good to have a little bit of uh, fire whenever you need it. And I, I don't know if it's a guy thing or what, but I kind of, I've talked to Stacy about this too, but I, in high school, I wasn't like this at all. I was very, like I said, I'd curl up and like, just want it to be over when kids were picking on me. Mm -hmm. um, and it slowly, it turned like the first person I ever, the first time I ever got in a fight was this guy, he would always trip me and he tripped me one day and I was just over it. I was so yeah. fed up and I got up and I ran up behind him and punched him as hard as I could right in between the shoulder blades, like on his spine. <laughs> so it was a really awkward place to hit someone <laughs> where he was like, ow. And he turned around and I'm just like behind him, like shaking. And I yeah, like, yeah. just filled with rage. So then we kind of, he came at me and I was able to kind of grab him. So he wasn't able to hit me. So we were just kind of like, like wrestling, I guess. Mm -hmm. And someone broke it up. Um, but then the few, uh, the other times it was just a few, but that I would get in, I would actually fight back. Um, I always felt bad about like hitting people in the hurting face. someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to hurt them. So I'd punch them like in the arms or the chest and it didn't do anything to them, but mm -hmm. it would at least show, I don't want to take this laying down anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. So I did slowly kind of get to a similar place, but now. But, but you, you, can I say, I think that it's so funny because the, the different ways that we have dealt with people treating us badly, because that's really yeah. what it comes down to is like yeah. people disrespecting you and treating you badly. But it's funny because you have like a superhuman ability. I really, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. Maybe, maybe I have, but you have this like superhuman ability to like, <laughs> in the face of it's seemingly any adversity, <laughs> you like can laugh it. You shrug it off. It's like, you know, it, it's just what comes off you like water. Like you are so able to, to, I don't know, move through any sort of contentious moment or anything and literally like laughing. Like it's, if anything's going wrong, like let's even say when we're filming and it's like, whoa, we're going to be here for like five more hours than we thought we were going to be yeah. or like no food or so, you know, what, whatever that is, like you more than anyone else, I literally know in my life would be like, okay. And I'll, everyone else is like freaked out or they're dealing with, they're agitated. And you like, it, it seriously feels like you cannot be pushed off your axis. Like you have such a grounded sense where the the environment around you would have to be like a typhoon to move you off off your axis. And I feel like I struggle with that because of that the um the sort of agitation that can build up in me. That it's like if something happens, it can move me off my axis pretty quick. So I have to move off and be alone when I'm like preparing for a thing because right, yeah. I need to be in my own space. I want to control my environment, know what's going on. But you are, I really do feel like you are so tethered to your, you know, to yourself that it, it, it seriously, do you, do you know this about yourself that you? I, yeah. I mean, it does take a lot to phase me at this point it wasn't always the case and i do believe it or not when did that shift because it's so strong in you like yeah. more i don't know anyone else that that has that uh, that to that level i'd say like it it happened it all happened in a short amount of time i, I started feeling super insecure 
just before high school. And then I was, was struggling with a lot. I, I had like a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment. And then somewhere like within that next year, something shifted where I don't know what it was exactly, but where I started to view all of the people that were picking on me as as humans. And I started really feeling bad for them and knowing that they were, you know, they learned that from someone else. And, and even at like, what, at like 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Wow. And it was, it was something just because I knew how bad it made me feel, but then I knew they must have learned that from someone else. Yeah. And, and that kind of helped me start viewing things like when things do go wrong on set or, you know, in life in general, um, it's pretty easy for me to like, look at it from the perspective of one, it can always be worse. And then two, um, that, you know, things happen and like on set, like if we have to be there another five hours, yeah, it sucks. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm sunburnt, but it's like, I'm having fun. This is like what I want to do. And it's, it's, and maybe it's the medical issues I've gone through, like where uh, that's helped me learn to, uh, cherish, uh, you know, what I'm like, cherish the moment because I've had some near death experiences. Um, but I do have a a rage as well, deep down that like, Mm -hmm. when it does come up, I I have, uh, there's definitely a a temper, um, but it just takes, I have a very long fuse. Um, Mm. and then once that fuse runs out, it's like the, the flip of a switch. It's like, I'm, I can, I'm just seeing red. Um, and the few times it doesn't happen often, but few times it, it did, especially as a kid, like, you know, I was a kid, I punched holes in my wall and stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Mad. Um, and, uh, we're yeah. not taught well, like as I feel like it's funny because there's a lot of, you know, I think a lot about, uh, the way that masculinity is portrayed in, uh media and the way that we sort of internalize certain things i 100% did and to me like yeah. james bond was always the epitome of of being masculine and that kind of messed with my understanding of like as a kid like this as a little kid i would watch james bond and be like wow like and that can mess with you because you're like why would james bond t- treats women a certain way like yeah. that's not good you're like constantly sh- killing people you know like there's this weird thing and and i think that that is um, normal for boys, you know, when we were in middle school and high school to feel this like aggression coming up and like not have a good channel for it, not understand how to deal with sort of these like, to me, it would be like blackout rages out of nowhere, little things, yeah. and then punch a hole in a wall or something. And I feel like we, it's definitely one of those things where until you grow up and be like, oh, okay, that's obviously not okay. Like, yeah. how do boys maneuver through that period of time you know i think it's one of those things it's like maybe anger is really the only acceptable form of emotion that we're allowed to express like it's only a way we're really allowed to express ourselves as kids based on what we're we're seeing from the rest of the world and from our society and everything where yeah because it's like cool to be angry yeah yeah like if a dude gets mad and punches someone else it's like oh that was badass bro like yeah yeah and it's like but if if you get mad and you start crying it's like oh look at this little bitch and it's like you know yeah 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 yeah, totally you can't show any other emotion that's why um crying like in on camera or in class was really hard for me. I've always been really 
in touch with my emotions. I've never felt embarrassed to cry consciously, but mm-hmm. subconsciously in classes or in auditions, whenever I'm required to cry in a scene, it was really difficult sometimes for me to get there. And I think it was that. I think it was the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, my dad, uh, who I love, but he was a Marine and a cop and like just very authoritative. And mm-hmm. I remember getting in trouble as a kid and crying. And I, you're always told to like dry it up or, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of like mindset. So then all of a sudden, when there's times where I had to cry, my body and my mind was just like, no, don't do it. You're not supposed right. to. Right. Uh, and it was, uh, it was tricky. Like for the chosen again, um, when we shot the, the opening of season two, where we're all aged and, and crying, talking about, you know, when we first met Jesus and stuff. Uh, I remember stressing out so much before that scene because it was the first time I had ever like for a role that I had already booked it wasn't for an audition or anything where I just have to right, cry right. once. Um, I, I was like, okay, this is something where I have to sustain this and cry 10 times. Uh-huh. Uh, and in the line was, I was on my way to Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is cut off. And that's exact the exact moment I have to start crying. Yeah. So it was like even more pressure. It was just a lot, um, but it came a lot easier. That was kind of a big moment for me because um, I think, and since then it's gotten a lot easier because being on set, it was kind of the perfect environment for the first time I had to cry in a, mm. in a project because I was with like all of these people that I love and, and uh, you know, my closest friends that I, I'm so close to all of you now um, and sitting there, all of us like aged and doing this scene where we're grieving the loss of our friends mm-hmm. uh, and looking at everyone. And right before they called me into the room to do my uh, segment. I remember I hugged like you and Shahar and Liz and Paris and everyone else that was sitting out there. I just went and hugged all of you. And once I went in and sat down, George was sitting there and he like took my hand and yeah, that's and all, those there. few yeah. things. That was all I needed was just right. like hugging my friends and then like holding George's hand and, and Giovanni's hand that then it was like, it was there. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I still, I thought of my grandpa who passed away. Like there's other things I did to, to, help sustain it but it was like it, it took away that um that fear of behind mm-hmm. all of it so now it's it, it has come a lot easier but yeah it's weird like mindy uh, with audi with my son i'm i'm already preparing he's only two now but trying to prepare for like helping him deal with some of the big emotions and all of our mm-hmm. kids we, we teach them like it's okay to cry like there are times where they may be throwing, uh, you know, having a tantrum and throwing things or, you know, doing things that little kids do where we have, we tell them like, you know, you're having big feelings, which is okay, but hurting someone else or, or breaking something isn't right. a good re- reaction or a way to let it out. So what is a better way to let it out? Maybe you could scream into your pillow or maybe you mm-hmm. could like, let's do, let's, you know, you basically move them into a, a healthier uh, yeah, because it's in the not letting it out that something happens where you punch the wall. Because yeah. that's not actually letting it. That's that's it's gotten to a point where you're suppressing it so much that you just punch the wall because yeah. your body you literally cannot deal with the sort of overflow that you've been keeping a lid on it. But if you really are feeling your feelings, and if you really are in touch with like what's going on then you move through that the wave through that but it's in the suppression that it just you know it's like kids 
playing video games and then they break their control. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like they've been suppressing something for a long period of time and then ultimately they just break something. And and yeah. that's I feel like that's with adults even more so because yeah. people learn in a bad way, learn how to suppress, 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 repress, repress for so long that ultimately it has to find uh, an avenue out and it will yeah. be destructive if, well, if you don't, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we see it every in America, all these shootings like yesterday, like yeah. with these men who have, and it's not that this is an excuse for, for doing any of this, but as a society, it's kind of like we failed a lot, like all of these mm. generations of, of men by not allowing them to express themselves in other ways. And I think it's so important moving forward to, you know, teach men that it is okay to feel these things. It is okay to cry. It is okay to talk about your feelings. Um, and that's the thing, like before the chosen, I didn't really, I was a very good listener. I would talk to other people about their mm -hmm. feelings and like try to give advice and stuff like that. But I did, I rarely opened up about my own feelings, especially insecurities with like my limp or things like that. Um, be, unless I was making fun of myself to try to make other people laugh. Um, mm. but then after the chosen and, and with, uh, my, my character having to deal with the same type of thing that kind of forced me to talk about it more. And then that's, that was the switch that happened where I was like, Oh, this feels good talking about like it was right. scary before, but now talking about this feels really nice. And it, it's like a life changer, you know, being open about like what you're feeling and what you're going through. Uh, because in doing that, I, like every single one of, of every person I know, every person I've talked to on this podcast has similar things that they're going through or that they've felt. Um, they feel just as crappy about themselves. And it's, right. uh, it's yeah, it's it's important, I think. Um, that's why everyone needs therapy too. Why that was had totally. like a stigma around it for a while. It's also why I think, um, you know, say what you will about uh, us actors. There are certain things that we're really good at. And, and I do think that um, taking a personal inventory and realizing like, oh, these things really upset me. Or like, this makes yeah. me happy, so I should have more of that in my life. And that's like our job is like figuring out those things that 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 are, uh, uh, you know, triggers in us for certain types of behavior or certain things. And so we're more likely to be aware maybe yeah. of when something's really upsetting us, when what kind of things are like terrible, you know, as my cat's going like, I'm like what's <laughs> happening with my cat? Well, <laughs> what do we need to let out? Yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, um, it's just, it's been helpful. Like I remember one of my acting teachers saying like, well, I mean, even if you all don't become actors, you'll be great in therapy because it's like, you do start to, to try to make those connections of, of, um, how you get in touch with your emotions and what makes you feel certain ways and, and yeah. it can be very helpful in communicating that to others for sure um speaking of the chosen i wanted to ask you because i know like kind of when it was for me but at what point did you because i i know when we all booked it originally it was very um like none of us really had any idea or expectations of like you know where it would go or anything like that uh and 
I even like the first four episodes, I was basically a, a featured extra. We didn't really get to interact a lot in those first four episodes. Yeah, we didn't really um, almost ever. Just a yeah. few days on the beach. Yeah. There. And even yeah. then, you, you like y'all were in the water and I, <laughs> right, I was right. just sitting on the rock. So it, there wasn't much. But then the next four episodes is when I started to sense a, a slight shift. It still wasn't anywhere close to where it is now, but uh having like extras on set that were excited to see like you and Liz and Paris and Jonathan and Shahar and starting to like see that that like oh people are watching it there are people that you know know who these my my castmates are um but then once we got to once we did season 2 and started in Utah yeah. that's when it was like a whole new world like i i was in target with my mask on and someone yelled from across Target, like little James and like weird <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Where being stopped and like how you and I were walking down the street and got with Dallas and got. Stopped oh, yeah. Yeah. Family. And like that stuff. Um, it's still surreal to me. But like, when did you kind of what was a moment where it clicked for you that like, oh, this is legitimate and this is something that, um, you know, might actually sustain because you know when you may book a, a show and then it never goes anywhere so what mm -hmm. was that moment for you well certainly not the first four episodes like yeah. had no idea we were just going in the middle of texas somewhere which i'd never been to texas so i was like what is that there was a whole culture shock and just being like what are we you know it's just four episodes so there's also this feeling of like we're not even doing a whole season yeah. To be like, okay, first season, let's see. It was like, we're doing half of it and like seeing. So then. And over a year later, we finished it. I know. <laughs> like, so that was, break. that was very, I didn't know then. And I still didn't when we came back to finish it. I knew that, that it was getting a little bit of traction. But when during the pandemic, we're set to go film season two and like nothing else is filming at that yeah. time. And it was just like the chosen season two is like the only thing going to go out. And that was a major, you know, different. Also, we went to Utah first. Yeah. So we spent like a month and a half in Utah and Utah had a wildly different sort of engagement rate than Los Angeles in yeah. terms of with the chosen. And so, yeah, that was, I was on the phone with my mom once and I was walking back to the hotel and a, uh, a lady like stopped her car. Her car was like, Andrew and I had my mask on and a phone and my mom was like what is happening I was like I think someone's recognizing hello like hi and that was the first kind of time but even then still it felt a little bit removed it was like oh like yeah. when I'm in Utah people may recognize me or the show but when I come back to LA like that's not so much like that's not and so honestly like the biggest change has been starting the third season, what we're doing now. Like the biggest shift for me in terms of the response with audience and in terms of people being, like I was aware in the second season, like, oh, we've got background people yeah. who are like fans of the show and that's really cool. We want to, you know, say hello. And, and, um, but then with the third season, like I, you know, was at the airport trying to come home to LA and, I had my mask on and I'm like flustered. It was late. We had a whole problem with my rental car. Like they thought I stole it. And I was like, oh, oh I yeah, promise right. I didn't. Yeah. And so then 
Then I get into line and it was like a priority line, which me, no, I've literally never bought a like first class ticket ever. Yeah. You know, like I've never stand in priority line, but it's like the chosen buys the ticket home. And so, so I get in the priority line and I feel strange about that. And so I walk up and I'm like, Hey, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be in the priority line, but like, I, I think I am. I, here's my ticket anyway. And she's looking at me. Um, the woman behind the desk is looking at me like with this, like, I don't know, just looking at me like, what are you doing here? That's what yeah. I, that's what I was reading from it. And so I got really self-conscious and I was like, oh, like maybe she's like judging me like in a tank top and cut off jean shorts. Like this dude cannot be in first class. That's what I was taking. And so I was like kind of shuffling, like, uh, feel uncomfortable. And she keeps looking at me like that. And I'm like, no, you know, um, I, I say I'm going to, to uh, Burbank. And, and finally I just had a comment on it. I'm like, do I like not belong here? Like I literally said that she's like, no, 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 sorry. You just, you look like, and then like trailed off. And I was like, Oh, is she, I was like, Oh, do you watch? And she goes, the chosen. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is me. And, and it was funny that her looking at me like that, like I still, in my mind, I'm like, you must be thinking I don't belong in this line. Yeah. And she's going, I recognize you from a TV show, but I still don't connect those things. Like I haven't taken yeah. that in. And then the person next to me in the other was like, you're in the chosen. And I turned to them and they were like, oh, you're in the chosen. So with my, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just am trying to, it's like, I'm still playing catch up with yeah. the fact that people would notice me in that way. And I still try to, I think, I think we are lucky in the fact that this kind of reaction to us as actors has happened later in life. Yeah. Not when we're I'm super grateful, 15, 16, 17, 18, even in our twenties, because I feel like that could be, that could go to your head really yeah. quickly. And to me, it's like, <clears throat> I feel grateful that I have a healthy detachment from that in terms of like, I don't take it in a egotistical way. It doesn't really mean anything in terms of, it's almost like they're not recognizing me. They're recognizing the show yeah, and the work yeah. in the show, which is very cool. But like, I still have this, this dude, I was in, okay. I came back. This is very LA of me. And I was like, I need to readjust my skincare routine. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? I need to go on Sephora and Dude, spend I a just, lot of money. Paris gave me a lot of, of like really good products that I've been Dude, using. Dude, I just texted Paris and was did like, you? what is that thing you were using? In the like the caffeine what? oil under your eyes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, I have like six different oils out there I use every day. And dude, I, so same thing. We're, we're, you're very LA, even though you're yeah. living in Texas. You're, we're, we're one and the same. So I went to Sephora and was like, okay, I need this uh, condition this, you know, um, uh, cleanser with this toner. I need a hydrating toner. And like, so I'm like doing all this stuff. And then they were like, would you like a, um, a, a facial here in the, in the a front of the, where we'll do this thing. And it like sucks out the stuff from your pores very much. And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. So I like sit in this chair and she's like, you know, doing this machine on my face. So she's like machining my face and a woman goes by and she's like, hurry up with the next season already. But I didn't, I didn't quite hear that. So I thought all I heard was like, hurry up. 
And I like looked like, oh no, like, are she you like machining turn. my face for too long? Yeah. And so I looked at her like kind of scared and I didn't understand, I didn't process like what she had said. And she just walks away. And the lady, I was like, whoa, that was so weird. Like, was she like mad at us? And the woman machining my face was like, no, I think like, are you in like a TV show or something? I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I am. But I, it's still like not. It feels it weird. Yeah. It feels strange. And it also feels like it's not about me, which it isn't. And yeah. I understand that. And so it's, it's, I'm now getting used to being on a run and someone will wave at me and I will stop and be like, oh, like, oh no, like I met you at a party somewhere or something and I don't remember your name. And it's like, no, it's about the chosen. And I'm still, that though has happened in the past like two months. Right. I feel like in my life. Yeah. It's, it's been a cool, like, cause I know you're the same way. Like we're, you know, big fans of certain shows and movies and fanboy out over certain things. And it's really like, we're, we have such a great admiration for so many actors and artists out there. So it's really humbling to, to think that there's people that view all of us and in our show and all the people that are making it in the, in a similar light as like, we may view like the cast of the office or something. Dude, like It's that. super, that's um, the exact word. It is super humbling. It's not, it's not, um, it, it, it's again, it's not that thing where you like, like, Ooh, I must be so great. Yeah, People, like, yeah. It's not that at all. It's the exact no. opposite where if anything you go like, Whoa, everyone is really just like a human being, even the people that you see on TV, like someone that they would go up and be like, can you sign my shirt? Like that's another human being. And they're probably going like, you want me to sign your shirt? Like I'm just on my way to the grocery store. And it's, and I noticed that in myself that I'm like, oh, like I'm not, this is not a, I'm just another human being. I'm not someone to be put on some sort of a pedestal in that way and and yeah it's 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 a nice um it's a nice way to connect with people that you otherwise wouldn't because they're coming up and talking to you like in public that you would never yeah. and um i don't know i just want them to have a good experience right i'm not thinking about like ooh, you recognize me i'm like oh well i hope i can make your day better by right. just saying like hello shake your hand and be like yeah i, I hope you have a great day and exactly dude i i've had interactions with like I met Jonah Hill like a week after Superbad came out. Um, and I, I've told you that story, right? No, no, please. So I was with my friend. We were walking down the street in LA. Uh, and I was, I can't, <laughs> however old I was when Super, like 15 or something when it came out. Uh, um, oh, and the movie and, was like the biggest movie of all time. Yeah, it was huge. Out. And, but I, I was already a fan of Jonah Hill's from uh 40 year old virgin and accepted mm-hmm. So uh, my friend and I were walking down the street and uh, I was living with my friend and his family in LA to like do this summer acting boot camp and audition for things. And as we were walking, he was walking towards us, like leaving some restaurant. Uh, we were going to the Grove and um, we were walking past him and we both spotted him and he saw us spot him and he kind of like waved and was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And we were like, Hey, and I just started to talk to him and was like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Like we, we just like two days ago saw super bad and loved it. And he had a big Lebowski shirt on. So then we started talking about that. Um, 
And he asked like what we do. And I was like, oh, we're out here, you know, going to the summer boot camp uh, for acting. And then we started talking about that. And the whole time my friend was just dead silent. He wasn't saying anything at all. Uh-huh. So, um, and it was like five or 10 minutes of like a good conversation. And the whole time my friend's just sitting there like smiling, like uh, an idiot, not knowing what to say. And then out of nowhere, like Jonah Hill's in the middle of asking me some sort of question about like, I can't even remember what the classes we're taking or something. And he's in the middle of the question. And my friend just bursts out, ask me about my wiener. Oh yeah. The, ask the, the me about... Yeah. And, he... and that's the first thing that he said to him in this five or 10 minute span. <laughs> and he just kind of stopped mid mid sentence and looked at my friend and was like, yeah, dude. Anyway, it was nice <laughs> meeting you guys. And then he walked off and it was like, he ruined it all. But um, but stuff like that, where it's like, I, I know it's, it was such a small interaction and I guarantee he has no memory of it, but mm-hmm. it was, uh, a real, like, it was so exciting. Like I was telling everyone about it for the mm-hmm. next like year. Um, so the, the thought that other people have a similar experience when they run into one of like us is bizarre, but really cool because it's like, I yeah, know what totally. it's like to be on the other end of that. Totally. Um, and it's it is weird. Like I I had a similar airport experience. I was going to Tennessee for a speaking gig, and while I was waiting to board, a woman with a binge Jesus T-shirt. Uh, I was sitting there with my mask on, and I saw her kind of like looking a few times, and then I saw the shirt, and I kind of like waved, and then yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. she knew. Um, so she came over and like was asked if I could get a picture with her with uh, her grandson. So I did, and as I was talking to her another younger guy walked over and was like, Hey, do you mind if I get a picture next? And I was like, Oh, sure. So then I had a family and this other guy taking pictures. And as they were the whole, it was a full like gate uh, waiting Uh to board this plane. So everyone else turned and was like looking and should uh, I get a picture with this man? Yeah. And I saw some people like pulling out their phone, trying to maybe figure out like who (laughs) I am, um, like scrolling and like looking at me. And uh, that it felt really weird because then once those people went back to their seats, I could feel everyone else looking over trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. it. And then when we landed, I was with that same like group of people at the uh, baggage claim. And one guy came over, a different guy from another flight and was like, hey, I just want to say I love The Chosen. Do you mind if I, I get a picture with you? And I was like, sure. And everyone starts looking again. And then another <laughs> guy walks by and goes, I love The Chosen too. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. And it was like, so four people within right. like, of flying on this one flight was, and that was like one of the craziest experiences too. But was that, was that recently? This was yeah, this, that was, dude, right I'm before. telling you something's happened in the past, like three months dude. that has been a colossal shift, which is cool that so many people are finding the show and enjoying it. But there's a definite um, shift and I don't know what that is, but it's, because it's not like this season has just come out. Like we're literally in the middle of filming it, but yeah, but it's, it's a definite bizarre, um, but really it can be really sweet and nice. And people are for the all like 99% of, of people who are like super cool and, yeah. and uh, generous and just say, you know, like wave and yeah, it's just, yeah. it's really it's awesome. sweet. Yeah. I, so you saying the 99%. So I, I want to, this is like the last question before the final, like, smaller question um but one thing that's been interesting is i feel like the chosen and i i've explained this to a lot of fans 
um, when I've had people ask about this, like ask about all of our faith or, you know, lack thereof or whatever, mm. is that I think that's one of the things that makes it so accessible is that we have people of like pretty much any religion that you can think of that are part yeah, of the yeah. caster crew. Um, and uh, I think it's so cool seeing all of these people from different backgrounds and walks of life and different experiences um, with faith and, and relationships with it. Uh, come together and tell this story where we all really do want to do it justice. We know mm -hmm. the weight of it and how important it is to so many people. Um, and the way it's written, I know like it's, it's easy to connect to, to these, the material regardless of, of where everyone stands on their faith, but it's been cool being a part of this where it's like, I think we've all um, been exposed to like different cultures or people within like, different um denominations of christianity whether it's like catholicism or mm -hmm. uh you know lds or whatever and meeting these different people and seeing how all of it's different it's just been really interesting kind of learning so much about uh, different groups that i was previously kind of uh ignorant uh to mm -hmm. so but on the flip side i've also found it interesting that um, you know, the, there may be portions of the fan base that like disagree with some of our opinions on certain things. And, you know, we may get pushback on social media, for instance, for yeah, totally uh, posting about something. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but I've found it like, it, it, I almost feel a duty or a responsibility to speak up about certain things in a loving way, because I know that a lot of the people that follow um, may not have ever been exposed to certain opinions outside of their own echo chamber. Um, and that's something like for my big thing currently is, uh, with all of the gun violence happening, uh -huh. I'm very passionate about talking about it and mm -hmm. it, it's pissed some people off. Um, I, I've, you know, like having kids, especially it's terror, the thought, it terrifies me regardless, like even before kids, but now having kids mm -hmm. being like, we almost went to this uh, parade in Arlington, the 4th of July parade. Cause my dad as mayor was going through the um, like riding in the car and I, we slept in, we didn't go, but I was just thinking like there were families in Chicago or in the suburb of Chicago where that shooting happened um, that had the, you know, their little kids that went out there and experienced that. And yeah. it just makes me sick and makes me angry. So I've talked about it and talked about like, you know, presented some, some opinions. Have you found yourself doing anything similar? Um, and how, what's been kind of your experience in doing that? And how do you balance like stating your opinion and staying firm in your belief, but also trying to like, not make people feel disrespected or alienated like how have you been able to balance that yeah it's a great question like um i mean there's so much to this i'll try to 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 frame it as yeah. best as i can sorry that's like a pretty I'm, loaded no, no, question it, no it's amazing no it's a great it, it just so i could talk about this forever like that's why i want to make it it basically i come from the outside of this entire sort of the world of the show. Like I'm yeah. a Jewish guy who's not, um, I don't go to temple, but my family's Jewish. We're very um, connected to our Jewish roots and, but, but secular Judaism, like it's, you know, in, yeah. in terms of uh, not going to temple or anything, but, but um, 
just the Jewish tradition the and, and the history of, yeah, of the, yeah, the cultural aspect of it. So from, from me on the outside, it's been fascinating to see, first of all, just being in the scenes, right, and literally hearing a lot of the messages, uh, a lot of Jesus's messages, what he's literally talking about in the scenes. And I go like, wow, what a lovely message. Yeah. And yet, dot, 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 I feel some hypocrisy in people who purport to be um, followers of that but, but, but yeah. And yet do the exact opposite of that message. And yeah. so I have been thinking long and hard, and, and I think it it's really important because that is what pushes people away from certain belief systems if they see hypocrisy in yeah. others who, who tend to follow it. Now, that doesn't mean the thing in and of itself is hypocritical because it's it's not. And, w- and when you look at the messages of Jesus's teachings, like it, it's it, pretty clear what yeah, he's talking forward. about. Yeah. And yet human beings will be hypocritical about, about anything, any walk yeah. of life. You will find human beings who believe you know, from from this all the way to that, any belief system walk of life, you will find hypocritical people in those. They'll sort of, use it to justify every of course, possible justify thing. anything. And we've seen that throughout history for all time. Yeah. In religious circles, in non-religious circles, human beings just tend to exert their will and power over others and use whatever they can to justify it. Yeah. But it's fascinating sometimes when I see, you know, some of the scenes and people will connect to it, but then I'll get a message on social media being like, I hope you die. You know, it's something like if I, if I share a a view, if I share a political view or something and I'm like, dude, that is not the way. (laughs) Like I I just don't. Now, again, most people are very loving and kind and it's not, but I think it's really important. I really do believe this that because first of all, if you're a fan of the show, you're going to agree with a lot of people who make the show and you're going to disagree with a lot of people who make the show because like what you said, we, we come from all different backgrounds all over the political spectrum, you know, all, all of that. So like you're going to disagree or agree with a lot of us. But I think it's fascinating. Like I'm, I would say I'm, I'm not like uber far left, but I'm like pretty left. Yeah. Leaning into actors, dude. Yeah. Actors. And that's the thing. I'm like, dude, if you're going to be upset because you disagree with actors on a show, like actors by and large are going to be pretty far left. Just the nature of what draws us to acting. Yeah. We're very like open minded, want to explore art. Like we're like, we don't want to go into a normal job. Like you're dealing with a group of people who like go we're like theater makers. We would be like on a wagon riding into some weird town, putting on a puppet show. Like, yeah, you're not dealing with who you may think you're dealing with, you know? And, and, and so, so we're, we're theater makers. We're filmmakers. This, right. So you're dealing with those kind of people. So you have to take it knowing that you're, you know, viewing actors beliefs and all of that stuff. But yeah. I think it's super important that people from different walks of life and belief systems and political beliefs that we have honest conversations and we don't ascribe to the other side, like the worst values that we possibly could think of because they disagree with us. Because first of all, it's just not true. Mm -hmm. For the most part, everyone's trying to make 
the world a better place and they're doing it in the best way that they think they know how. And then we just disagree about the details and what can take us there. But I find it like, for instance, I just posted that I've been, I've been, uh, you know, understating it. I've been very upset with the way that the Supreme court has been uh, handling these cases. And, um, I've gotten a lot of people sending me messages being like, read this verse in the Bible and you'll see the error of your ways. And I'm like, you know what? I will read that verse. I'm going to open it up right now and read it. And I read it. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but, but I think people can use um, the Bible. I think people can use anything to yeah. justify their beliefs. And, and I could throw it back in the exact same way. And I would say, you know, beware false prophets. I'm like, I, I don't know why you're telling me that I, I mean, sh- yes, I should, everyone should beware false prophets. Like that sure. is a, a thing that everyone needs to be uh, aware of, but I want to make sure you're aware of that too. Like make sure that you're questioning and, and something that I really respond to in the Jewish tradition is there's a real strong emphasis placed on questioning. It's all yeah. like question it. Does that make sense? Does it though? Does it? Do you really yeah. understand it? Maybe you don't. Maybe you've built a foundation, just like what Jesus says in Sermon on the Mount. Don't build your house on sand. Mm-hmm. You know, build it on firm foundation. And I think it's really hard for people. People hear that and they go, yeah, good thing I didn't. And it's yeah. like, you really may have though. And all of us may have, and you really, it takes a lot of bravery and openness to look deep. And, and I mean, a lot of people take it for granted and they go, yeah, I looked, it's not on sand. And it's like, yeah. it, honestly, very well could be. And you need to look inward and see, is there something that I've taken for granted? I really haven't questioned it. I haven't poked the bear with the stick going like, do I really understand what I'm saying? I understand. Do I really, you know, for instance, we can talk about a hot button issue of the day is, is trans rights. And I think a lot of people, um, could say like, yeah, I understand it and I don't like it. And it's like, I guarantee if you have that response, you're not looking deeply enough. Like if we were actors looking at that script and you're looking at those lines, you don't really know what you're saying yet because, because have you sat down and had coffee with a trans person? Right. And have you been like- Or drag queens. That's another, like it's a similar thing. 100%. Like, do you really, or are you just responding to the idea of the thing? that you haven't yeah. really gone down. Now, if you've sat down, you've really had a conversation, you've really tried to understand, because honestly, you, you haven't if you have that kind of reaction to it. Yeah. Because that means you haven't given it the, the time of day. You're just, you're, you're upset. You haven't met someone from that, you know, that community. And when you do, you realize like, we're all human beings. We're all trying to do the best we can. We all want to love who we can love. And for instance, last year I, I posted something and I said, you know, it was, it was pride month. And I said, happy pride. Like I'm so proud that a lot of my, that a lot of my friends are in this community and that they more so than in the past, you know, there's still challenges that, that they face, but can love who they love. Yeah. And I had people sending me messages like, you know, the devil has a hold of you and, and, you know, and, and I tried to engage with it and say, do you really think that if you are in the LGBTQ community, like the devil have that, you think that's what's going on here. Yeah. And I don't want to belittle anyone's point of view, but 
<laughs> when did you choose to be straight? Straight, yeah. yeah. Like, and do you choose that every day, or is that? And if and if the answer is like I'm just I'm straight, then mm-hmm. it's like, well, why did you choose not to be? It's like it, you get to a point where people start to think a little bit deeper about it, yeah. And they go, oh, like I didn't consciously and don't consciously choose to be straight. Yeah, maybe it's the way that I was born. Maybe right. it's, and so some people then can think if they don't know anyone in the LGBTQ community, they can think like, oh, they're just, you know, it's yeah. some, some, they're missing sinful. out if they don't. <laughs> yeah, they're sinful and they, they're, you know, but it's like, you definitely don't have a loved one who's in the community. And if you do, have you allowed them the space to be open with you yeah. about their life and the way they walk through it and the challenges they face? And, you know, and if you do, you probably would come to a greater understanding of like, ah, oh, okay, we're all human beings. Uh, yeah. uh, we all have our struggles and challenges. And it's okay and- if you don't understand everything. Yes. Like, totally. that's okay. Because I've heard yes. a lot of people speaking of, of trans rights that they're like, I just don't understand it. And it's like, you wouldn't because. Yeah, it's like, oh, of course. I don't, it's, it's, I don't either because. No, I, neither I do I. And that's, yes. And, and it's. And that's it's okay. It's totally okay. And and of yeah. course, and this idea on the left that we deal with that I'm not a fan of, of like, well, right away, like if someone doesn't understand it completely and they're not on board, then like, get yeah. out of here. We don't want to talk. It's like, no, 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 it's okay for someone to not understand it. We really need to have a conversation about it so that we can, if the goal is for people to live in unity and yeah, live yeah. better and treat others with respect, then we do need to treat others with respect. I love that. Yeah. Well, like you said, the the I agree because on the left, there's not as much room to ask those questions or to be right. like, wait a minute, like, or or for for grace for growth. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. Like that's that's what I mean. Cancel culture thing, yes. you know, stuff like that. Where, but then on the flip side, on the the right, um, their questioning isn't typically uh, something that's promoted like being curious about things Mm -hmm. um it's kind of like no at least from my uh experience growing up in the south and the bible belt uh it's kind of like this is the way it is like you don't question this and if you ask it's like because the because i said so because the bible said so because your pastor said so because your parents said so um but i think that like we should be always promoting curiosity and asking questions and allowing people a safe place to grow and to learn and, and, um, 100%, 100% because when you're not, when it's not, when you just take something at face value and you don't dive deeper, it's, that is like the definition to me of a house being built on sand because you're just saying, okay, I've built my ideas about this and that's it. And you go, yeah, but if you actually were to look into it, you would start to, to, challenge your own mind and that becomes a very scary thing to do and yeah. people then will say oh you're being led astray and it's like no we're we're it's it's okay to question if in fact our entire world is made better by questioning and saying and then being receptive to the answers yeah because then you may question and someone has a really good answer and then you go oh yeah okay i guess you're right and and yeah. that we have to do that as well Right. Um, no matter where you're from, we we do have to approach things with with a healthy curiosity and and yeah. skepticism, even because otherwise you're just taking everything as as fact, 
and yeah. you're led astray very easily if you approach. Very, yeah. Well, I grew up as far as uh, like the Black Lives Matter protests and things uh-huh. like that. Before that, uh, I remember my dad was a cop. My brother's a cop. Um, right. I'm, I've never feared for my life. I've had a lot of interactions with police. I've mm-hmm. been arrested. Um, I've, I've been, I got probably two dozen tickets as a teenager. I did all sorts of stupid stuff. And mm-hmm. I never felt like my life was in danger because right. of the color of my skin. Right. So therefore, growing up, uh, I, it, it was hard because of what I'm told. It was like, no, like you just have to listen to what the police are saying and you'll be fine. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Fight back. That's what's going to cause a problem. And I was like, oh, I'm like, that's all it is. And I didn't consider that there are people that have experiences that are different than my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that once I started to look inward and realize like, oh, that was kind of, that was one, a very privileged perspective um, that I didn't realize was privilege at the time. Um, but two, then I started looking at other aspects of my life and I'm, I started, I started remembering like maybe someone would tell a, a joke that, that wasn't the most uh, politically correct that I may have mm-hmm. laughed at in school or things like that, that looking back, I'm like, oh, that wasn't the most sensitive or um, empathetic way to react to that. And I've since learned over the last, you know, decade or so um, in self-reflecting, I'll, I recognize certain things. And uh, I just edited like a highlight video of uh, Paul Walter Hauser from my interview I did with him mm. and little things like he he did uh, the Spike Lee film, uh, uh, The Five Bloods with uh, Jonathan Majors. And he would like anytime he would talk about Jonathan Majors in interviews, he'd say, yeah, he's going to be the next Denzel. He's amazing. And he always said that. And then he said he was reading the book, White Fragility. And he kind of it clicked where he was like, why am I saying he's going to be the next Denzel? The only reason is because they're both black. That's the right. only reason. Right. Um, and he texted him and apologized for it. And he was like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I've been saying this. And like, I realized that's subconsciously why I was saying it. And right. that's not to say like, I don't think he's a racist person. I I've certainly have never felt like I'm a racist person, mm-hmm. but we all do have certain biases that we are taught or certain, uh, you know, things that we're taught that like, aren't, aren't representative of the, of the truth. And 100%. we have yeah. to humble ourselves and look in the mirror sometimes and be like, okay, what don't I understand about this? plight that this person is dealing with or this struggle that this person has what don't i understand and how can i better understand that um and i think that's so important for for all of us to do because i mean every day constantly we're we're all growing or should be at least i i feel like my journey in the chosen has been in a way really has solidified that for me and I, before I entered into the chosen again, like I'm from the outside of any sort of religious community. Like I don't have that community in my life. Yeah. So to me, I hope you have fun I in hell. Huh? <laughs> I said, I hope you have fun in hell. <laughs> As I sink lower and lower. My, um, so I, I like approached it. Um, you know, my views of maybe organized religion sure. were like, I have, have definitely changed since joining the chosen because Again, like I didn't understand um, deeply religious people. I really didn't understand it. I didn't understand and I viewed it um, not, I mean, when it was loving and and wonderful in the community and stuff, I was like, that's amazing. But then when someone would be like, we don't like Jews, I'm like, okay. (laughs) 
that's bad. <laughs> I, I don't enjoy that. And so, yeah. so I, I have, I was, I had a shield up yeah. against sort of organized religion, but entering into the chosen, it was one of those things where I go, Oh, like I have a, uh, a lens into a community that I never did before. I got to know a lot of people who are religious yeah. and who are deeply. So, you know, deeply sure, religious yeah, yeah. and, and being like, Whoa, we have so much more in common than you Dude. might think. And even if we disagree, maybe culturally there are other things. But it's like I now realized I wasn't showing grace to a lot of people because I just judged. Again, yeah. judged the book by the cover. Just like maybe deeply religious in certain traditions would judge, you know, like we were talking about, um, again, like Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah. That they're like, no, all lives matter. It's like, okay, <laughs> do you know what we're talking about here? <laughs> Of course, all life, that's not what we're talking about. We're not saying your that's life That's what we're matter. saying. Only, that's what we're trying to like. Yes, that's that why we're saying Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And so I realized like, oh, I'm not offering the grace that I'm wanting yeah. for me and maybe the communities that I feel closer to. But I wasn't offering that same sure. amount of grace. And so it's been a journey for me to embrace as like part of my beard comes off in my mouth. I'm like, oh, that's 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 what really being in the chosen is. I'm like, yeah. my beard falling off. As I sort of embrace um, the idea that I probably don't know what it's like in these communities and and what these people are like, and I have been judging when I should not have judged. Yeah. And um, I'm really trying to dive head first into that direction, and uh, because I think the world becomes a better place yeah. when we treat each other with hundred percent. And I, I think the last thing I'll say, then I'll ask the final question, which is a, a quick one. But um, yeah, I think that uh, as far as like, we're all way more similar than we realize. And, and yeah. in this current climate, it is so divisive. It's almost like football teams. It's like, we're the Cowboys and those are the Eagles. Like those 100%. are the bad guys. So yeah. whether it's, you know, uh, liberals and conservatives or Christians and Jews or whatever, like all of these mm -hmm. black lives matter and all lives matter, like all mm -hmm. of these groups. But when you really look at like what the, what each side is saying, for instance, the, uh, the guns, right. Or the, the, uh, activist for common sense gun laws that I interviewed who uh -huh. lost his daughter to a mass shooting. He mentioned that when he approaches people about it, uh, that are very big advocates for guns. Uh, -huh. he, he basically asks the question, do you think that fewer children should be killed in their classrooms? Um, and 99.9% .9 of us are going to say, yes, fewer children should be dying yeah. while they're learning math. Um, and, then from there, it's like, okay, so like, let's, let's start from that point rather than uh -huh. starting from the perspective of, well, he doesn't like guns and I do like guns. So therefore he's, a, he's an enemy. He's a bad guy. Uh, because when you do that, you're automatically starting out like from a, like you said, like turning everything into a, a an issue when it doesn't really have to be like, yeah. you, and it, it's, it's a lot more combative than it needs to be. Um, but if you come together and try to problem solve and realize, like, we can all agree there is an issue in our country of of gun violence. So it's like, let's and most of us don't like gun violence. So let's right. come together and figure out what we can do to make it less likely. Um, and I, I think if you do same with uh, Dak Shepard talked about um, with with abortion, which is another really big hot topic right now. 
um, he said, you know, he was like, I'm very pro-choice. And, and uh, he, he mentioned how he, he's very pro-choice, but he is, uh, he empathizes with people who are pro-life because he was like, if they truly believe a baby is being murdered, then for, for God's sake, be pro-life. Like, mm-hmm. he was like, I understand it. Um, but let's kind of, let's, so since that's where we're both starting from, let's both agree that life is precious. So if we're starting with that, then how can we make it less likely that abortions are going to happen? Um, and it's like, okay, well, how about we give, uh, you know, more support to the mothers that are the single mothers? How about we, uh, crack down on, on, uh, or, you know, helping the children that are already in the foster care system and things like that, where it's like, these are, there's a lot of middle ground that we kind of just skim over. So um, much middle ground. There's way more middle ground than there is stuff on the sides. And, yeah. and we, but we get, I don't know, we, we latch on to, um, major amounts of rhetoric that essentially just stops the conversation. It's like, yeah. there is no conversation. It's either this right. side or that. Cause again, like on a football team, you, yeah, you are either one side or the other like that's and uh, that's just not the way the, the world works in terms of it's also the way our political system has been uh, functioning is like you are either a Democrat or yeah. a Republican. And it's Dude. like, how likely is it that 50 percent of us all <laughs> yeah. believe one thing on one side and then right. the other 50 percent all believe the other? it's like. What? There's got to be nuance in the conversation. Yeah. You have to be able to find all that that middle ground. Exactly. Because then otherwise nothing gets done. And if and if we like that we're in a stalemate in terms of as a country, then like, yeah, keep going the way we are. But if we yeah. don't, then we do have to find some way to move forward. Yeah, exactly. Um, I know you got to go soon. So lastly, uh, since we do talk about a lot about the things we, we struggled with or have been insecure mm-hmm. about. I always end by asking, what's the thing you love most about yourself? Wow. What's the thing? <laughs> hmm. What's the thing I love most about myself? I'm like, there's so much to choose from. Right? Um, no, but... <laughs> um. Wow. I think that it's it's very very important to me to make others lives better even if it's just momentarily in interactions that we could have or by seeing a piece of art or by reading a book that I recommend, like a a goal of mine is to leave the world at least a slightly better place than when I walked around in it. And, uh, and I think that that infiltrates like everything in my life. It it's what kind of artist I want to be. Like I want to work in a certain thing and put my entire heart and being into roles because I feel like it'll tell a better story. People will connect to it better. It will make them, you know, like, let's say we, 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 um, we tell certain stories on the chosen about, uh, you know, whatever, treating others the way they ought to be treated. And maybe someone sees that 
and then they treat their daughter or son better than they were before or they you yeah. know read something that we wrote or just i just want to inspire joy and positivity and a celebration of humanity i really really do and and i think that for the most part i try to live that out in my life i want my friends to be having good lives my partner to have a good life my family i i I try to notice in myself when I'm detracting, if I'm letting something get in the way, I'm super agitated. Like again, like what I said, as I grew up, I was just agitated all the time. And I'm trying to constantly balance myself out so that I may be more of a force for good in the world. And um, I do that my own way. Like I'm an artist and that's how I do it. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer who do it in their very particular way. I'm, I'm an artist and, and I, I just try to cultivate that in my life as much as possible. And, um, I, I just, it's just something that I really, really value. And and so I've made that a sort of mission of mine. Yeah. Um, and I I think it shows it's, it's apparent. Yeah. And there goes your quote for, uh, the sequel to the chosen expose in, uh, to, to show how <laughs> horrible of a person you are. I celebrate um, humanity. You bastard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, since I always, uh, like to add one of the things I love most about you as well, that for the people that I know, there's plenty of people I interviewed that I don't know personally, but for like my chosen castmates, I like to add in something I love about you too. Um, all of that, but also, uh, you're one of the most energetic and funniest people I, I know, uh, but then you you also can get real when you need to. Like some people are just clowns all the time, which are mm-hmm. great. Like I I think they they uh, there's a lot of people that like I I love that and I want to be around those people in, in certain moods and when I'm I'm feeling certain things. But uh, you're someone that it's like you can be really funny and energetic. But then if I'm like, hey dude, can I talk to you about something? You're like, oh yeah, dude, let's do it. And you can you can be there and get vulnerable with people. Uh, and and you genuinely have a, a love for the people around you, which is very apparent. Um, but also, I don't know if you feel this or not, um, because it doesn't seem like it's necessarily uh, you, you trying to like take charge, but I think you have a, a very strong leadership role within our cast. Um, you feel like one of our, our leaders and there's times where it's like, we're all joking around, but you're one of the people like, that's always aware that like, Oh, Hey guys, George has a, an emotional uh, moment in this scene. Let's all just kind of like, whenever he's in the tent, let's all just kind of, chill out a little bit and not like give him some space to focus on what he needs to focus on and doing things like that, uh, where you're very aware of what the rest of us in the cast need on certain days or in certain moments. Uh, and you do a great job at trying to facilitate that. Uh, so thank you so much, man. That's very kind of you to say. And, and I think, um, I think that it's, it's a lot of the, you know, we're all every, human being is unique and valuable and worthy. And I feel like that's one of the joy, absolute joys in life is like interacting like this right now, you and I connecting and connecting with every single person that you come across. And, 
and I definitely try. I, I appreciate that, but I, I and I try to, um, I try to cultivate an environment where people can really be themselves and be open and have fun, but also be you know if if whatever the moment is calling for, like if they're like like you said, like if you need to talk. It's like let's do that because it's what you need. I, I don't know. Yeah. I just I do. I think that we're all um, we are all uh very very valuable and i just think that it's like a gold mine the the ability to sort of connect with with other human beings and make sure that they're you know they feel their own value yeah and and i i totally if i can just say about you that i i think that that's again speaking to like that superhuman power of yours to not get thrown <laughs> off your axis I think you allow those around you to be even more themselves. Like there's no, I've never even seen a moment of you judging other people, of you throwing toxicity in the air, which some people, you know, a lot of people like you can be very positive and feel great. And then all of a sudden you have to be there. You've had two hours of sleep and all of a sudden you're like spewing toxic, you know, you're just like, oh, I need to calm down. I've never seen a moment where you bring anything other than love to the table. And it's so clear in your family. It's clear like on set. And so it's just like, it's, it's a, a like serious pleasure to be your friend. I seriously love you. Like I love with you all too, my man. Heart. I think you're just like an amazing dude. I'm so thankful to have gotten to know you and that, that we're in each other's lives. I seriously, I'm, Same, I'm so I'm so glad. That, Me too. That Thanks for saying that, man. I'm going to. You do this podcast. It's literally like, of course, you have a podcast <laughs> about it. Like, this is you. You are. That's part of your, you know, you're, you're inspiring others with your story and just, just letting other people be themselves and know that it's okay to be, be yourself. And so, yeah. I love that, man. Dude, Seriously. thanks. So that was my conversation with my buddy and castmate, Noah James. He has just so much energy and passion, and he's, he has such a curiosity and and uh, a hunger to learn and to grow. And I think all of those are such admirable traits, and I love being around him. I feel so um, rejuvenated whenever I get to, to hang out with Noah. Um, so I really hope that all of you, uh, got something out of that episode because I know I certainly did. Uh, be sure to go follow Noah at James underscore Noah James on Instagram and, uh, show him some love there. Also check out, uh, his work on the chosen shameless and iCarly. Anyway, uh, now is the time for me to talk about next week's guest. But before I do that, I need to thank another one of our sponsors. That's right. I already mentioned Inclusion Coffee earlier, but now I want to show some love to our other sponsor, which is Buzzed Bull Creamery in Grapevine, Texas. Now, this location hasn't opened just yet, but it will be opening sometime late summer, early fall this year. Um, and the really cool thing about Buzzed Bowl Creamery is that, one, they have a ton of really unique ice cream flavors uh, for people of all ages. Whatever your taste is, they have something there for you. Uh, but it's not your typical ice cream place because they also have options to upgrade your ice cream with a uh, boozy addition. So, for instance, you could get 
a, a cinnamon flavored ice cream with whiskey. Um, or you could get it made into a milkshake. Or you could do a mint chocolate chip with chocolate flavored vodka. Um, so they just have a lot of really cool combinations. So whether, you know, if you have kids, you can go there, have a good family day out. Or if you're, you know, over 21 and you're, you want to go on a date with your boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other, um, or just want to treat yourself and uh, need to unwind a bit, then Buzzbull Creamery is an excellent place to go. Uh, and it's going to be located in downtown historic Grapevine. So it's a really cool place to go get some ice cream and then walk around and look at all the other shops. So keep an eye out for Buzzbull Creamery and Grapevine opening soon. And not only that, but I will actually be at the grand opening along with possibly some of my chosen castmates signing autographs and taking pictures and uh, treating ourselves to some of that delicious ice cream. So uh, I hope to see all of you there and I will share more details as they come. So next week I have on Josh Sundquist, who uh, you might know as the guy who has one leg that makes really creative Halloween costumes every year. That's kind of uh, one of his claims to fame, but that's not it. Josh also is a successful author. He has written, I believe, four books now. And on top of that, he wrote a TV series about himself called Best Foot Forward that's airing this month on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, so he has a lot of really cool stuff going on. He's also a comedian, a motivational speaker, uh, and he talks a lot about you know, using his limp to inspire others. Uh, he beat childhood cancer and uh, an, a leg amputation as a child and uh, has, has taken that situation that some might view as, uh, you know, a bad situation to be in and made something great out of it. Uh, so it was really fun talking to him and relating to him on so many different um, aspects of, of both of our journeys. Uh, and I can't wait for you to hear that. So uh, go check out Josh's Instagram. Just look up Josh Sundquist and uh, give him a follow. And then uh, tune in next week so you can hear my conversation with him. Until then, remember to love your limp, be good to yourself, and I will talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.